We have got Miss Angela Burner right here, yes. Her proud family is right here. I want to let you know, um, there are giftings. When we say that God has placed giftings in you from, from the time you were in your mother's womb, that is so true. You've got a gifted teacher right here. You've got a woman of great passions for the Word of God, organizer like crazy, just a woman of many talents, and we are so grateful for the way that you serve, lead in your family, and in your church and community. We're just, you're awesome. Um, Ronnie, okay, Ron, Ronnie, this, he's, yes, Ronnie's got some fans. Ronnie is a proud f husband, a proud father of six. He's a grandpa of two really cute, cutie grandbabies. Um, Ronnie is what I would consider the coach. The coach, he's a, he's a mentor, he's a coach. If he's ever come alongside you, he is your brother, Ronnie. He has a huge heart for discipleship. He truly is the definition of salt and light. So we are so grateful for Ronnie. Karen is Miss Sunshine. If you've ever been in the room, she serves on our production team here at Avenue Church. I remember when we were asking Karen, Karen, we, we want you for five and five. Would you consider speaking? I've only spoken in Africa. I'm like, Africa, Africa. No, this, yeah, this girl has a heart, hear me, for the nations. She has a heart for the nations. She speaks life into every relationship that she has. And so we are so grateful for you to share your, your message and your story today. Mr. Bishop Terry Nance. We love Terry Nance. Also, a very proud husband, father of four. Um, Terry is currently working on his doctorate um, in educational leadership with an emphasis of ministry. Terry and I go back 19 years. We served together um, in the same school of ministry. And so he loves his work. Word. He loves, he's such a student of the word, so I'm excited for you to hear from him today. And Miss Firehouse Leah, Leah Fisher, yes. You know Leah is serving here on our worship team. Uh, Leah has a fire. She is a revivalist inside of her. She loves to stir up worship and passion and disciple, discipleship in people. And so there's just, you guys got quality people. Now you might be wondering, man, could I ever sit here? You absolutely can. We ask them to be here, not because of what qualified them. We ask them because of the posture of their heart, because their humility, their heart for the house. They all serve wonderfully here at Avenue. So we're we're so grateful. Are you guys ready to hear from them? Come on. Thank you, Kat. <laughs> All right. I'm going to jump right in because I have five minutes and I am not known for my brevity. So I really wanted to come out here today and just give you this powerful statement of faith. I mean, together we can believe again, right? But the reality is that I've had more of a question rolling around in my mind as I prepared for this. Can I believe again that God will really use me? You see, when our pastors asked me to speak today, I gave a reluctant yes. And I know some of you out there, you're very confident in your abilities and you never second guess yourselves, but that is not me. And so immediately I was full of self-doubt and I thought, God, what do I have to say to your people? I mean, I'm so flawed. And I began to list off all the reasons why I should not be standing here today. Ugh, I just got into a fight with James. I shouldn't do this. I wasn't as patient with my girls as I should have been again today. I shouldn't do this. Or how about my brother-in-law in the back? Hey, Justin. <laughs> he's seen me lose my cool at family dinner more than once. And he's going to watch me pretend like I have it all together? No, no, I shouldn't do this. And I was so busy doubting myself that I doubted God's ability to use me. And then 
he showed me the scripture in 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not judge him by his height or appearance, for I have rejected him. Because the Lord doesn't see things the same way people do. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And you may be familiar with this story, but Saul, he was the king over Israel at this time, right? And Saul in the chapter right before this one, he disobeys God majorly. And so God rejects him and he tells his prophet Samuel, go into Bethlehem, find one of Jesse's sons and anoint him the new king. And so Samuel goes and Jesse brings his son and out first comes Eliab, the strongest, oldest brother, right? And when Samuel sees him, he thinks, surely this is the one. I mean, he's God's prophet. But that right there, that's where we get this verse in 16.7 because God says, no, Samuel, you're looking at the wrong thing. People judge by the outside, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so every brother comes through and God rejects all seven of them. And Samuel's like, Jesse, do you have any other sons? And Jesse says, oh yeah, there's David. And so David comes in from the field and immediately God says, that's him. And so Samuel anoints him the next king over Israel. Now, Bible scholars will tell you that this portion of the Old Testament is considered historical literature. Simply put, this is the written history of the Israelites as a nation. And when you look at other histories of civilizations in the ancient Near East at this same time period, you will find that these people, they wrote down their history in order to glorify and legitimize the king of that time. But scholars agree that the Bible, as a historical document, it was written differently than these other documents. See, it, it wasn't propaganda, it had a different purpose. And I'm telling you this because I've always read this story and thought, wow, David, right? A man after God's own heart. And I love a good character study, but this, this is not a story about David. No, if it were, he would have come onto the scene before Eliab. He would have been the oldest, the strongest, the most qualified brother. But that's not what we get, right? David wasn't even considered. And that's because the Israelites wrote this story as a part of their history, not to glorify an earthly person, but to point to Yahweh, to keep an actual record of God and how he was at work in the lives of their people. And this history, this is a collection of stories and examples where our powerful and our perfect God, he doesn't see things the same way we do. No, he uses unlikely, flawed, imperfect vessels, right, to do his work on earth. And God has that same purpose for all of us in this room. So when I ask myself, God, can I believe again that you will really use me? I'm looking at the wrong thing. I need to shift my focus. I can't compare myself to other people. I'll never measure up. I'm not David. I'm not Peter or Paul or Pastor Lindsay. I'm just me. And I can't be so focused on me and, and think of all the things that disqualify me because God's not looking at that. He doesn't see me the way I see myself or the way that others do. No, shift my focus, see him. The Bible reveals his very character and nature. And the God who pulled an overlooked shepherd boy from the field and anointed him king is the same God that has a purpose for you and for me and our world today. So will you join me? This year, will you shift your focus with me? And together, we can believe again that God, yeah, he will really use me. Oh, good job. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's go. All right. The theme is together we can believe again for the continued 
love and blessings and the light that we show and the light that we have in our hearts. So in life we grow. Some of us grow wiser, not all of us, but some of us grow old. We all grow older and we got to grow closer to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Okay, your eyes need to focus just on what's good in life, which is hard to do. Your outlook on life, it needs to make your next step your best step. Now I'm gonna say that again. You need to make your next step your best step. Your vision in the end, <laughs> settle down. In the vision, you, in the way you look at everything, it has to change, okay? Your attitude has to resemble Jesus Christ. Um, be brighter than your surroundings. Don't let social media, the negative haters, the naysayers in your life be the basket that covers the light that Jesus gave you in your particular blessings. Okay? Matthew chapter 5, 14 through 16 says, You are a light in this world, like a, hit, uh, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. A light... No one puts a lamp under a basket. A lamp is meant to be put on a stand to give light to everyone in the room. It also says, in the same way, let your light shine out for all to see in how God blesses you so they could praise your heavenly father. So last year in 2021, we all went through something. We all did. Um, you can look right next to you and still not know what the person right next to you really went through. You could even live in the same house and still not really know what the person really went through in their mind and how they feel. They lost their losses, um, their, their um, things that they used to have before, you know, their hurt, their sickness, feeling of loneliness, or maybe that feeling that, you know, maybe Jesus just ain't hearing me anymore, you know? So, um, but could I tell you as a brother in Christ that negative thinking, okay, is very contagious. Negative attitudes are really bad. It could affect you, mind, spirit, and soul. There are 80% of all people in this world, which means eight out of 10 people, always think negative in every situation, you know. So there are 20% of people who are positive thinkers, those are the lights, okay? The negative thinkers would be those baskets, all right? Now, we were all lights because we were all blessings made by God, okay? But if you don't think positive thoughts in your brain at all times, you could be looking out of a shaded basket through life. So in the morning when your day starts off and you start your day, Make sure you thank God that you're about to have a positive and blessed day, that you're going to have new opportunities, that he's going to open new doors in your life, that you have a family still around you that supports and loves you, even a church family that does the same. And, you know, God created us to be a light in this world. He did not make us to be a switch on the wall that someone could turn on and off with their negative situation. Or maybe something that you don't like that just doesn't go your way that flips on and off, okay? Um, don't ever let negative thoughts fill your head or else you're going to let that, ba that basket cover your light and your eyes that might possibly see a blessing. 
because it might be blinded. Um, if you always talk, which none of us gossip, I know, uh, you can't still hear that still small voice. A Christian rapper I uh, like, uh, NF, he has a song that has a line in it that I really like. It says, I treat my temper like my family. I'm not trying to lose it. Okay, it's a mindset to love every single person you know. Even Jesus said to all of God who God created, who spit on him and tried to put a basket on what he did, he said, Father, forgive them for they not know what they do. And then God has our back in Psalms 105.15. He said, um, what did he say? He said, do not touch my uh do not touch my anointed and um, <laughs> do, do my prophets no harm. Okay, so listen. So what are you going to be? It's 2022. We're all out of the 2021. Are you going to be a light? Or are you going to be a basket? It's a choice to live like God and for God every day of your life. To be a positive to be all the Jesus you can be. Be the best in life for the rest of your life. And the Lord will bless us this year together and forever in Jesus' name. Amen. Together we can believe again for our future. In Jeremiah 29:11, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. I read this verse, and within the past two years, I just couldn't believe in it. And I'm pretty sure some of you guys have felt the same way as me. Uh, you probably left, lost a job, lost a home, or lost a loved one. For me, I lost all three in less than a year. I couldn't wrap my head around this verse. For I have the plans, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You do, God? You have a plan for me? I have hope? There's a future? Because, Lord, I just went through the hardest time of my life. I don't see a future. I don't have a hope. But as time went on, and I continued to meditate on this verse, I began to he began to show himself to me in different ways. First, I learned that God's plan was better than my plan. I started in 2021 devastated and sad. I just lost my job, I lost my home, and I lost my mom through COVID. I was sad, I was devastated. I didn't know where to turn. So I started coming to Avenue Church online. I even joined a small group online as well. I joined a small group, tried to keep that little hope I had and try to keep that idea of a future. But I just kept on thinking that there was no hope. There was no plan and there was no future. It was hard for me to think. I was praying, Lord, if you just kept my mom, if my mom just was still alive, then I know you're real. Lord, if you gave me the things that I thought I needed for my life, then I know you're here. 
I started thinking about that. I'm like, why would I give God an ultimatum? Or why would he even, he could even listen to my ultimatum? It was just running through my mind. But these were my plans, Lord. And then I thought about it. That was it. It was my plans. It was not God's plan. Not only that, but he didn't just have plans for me. He had plans to prosper me and not to harm me. I had to really think about that. In reading the second part of the verse, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. I remember thinking to myself, Lord, again, I just went through the hardest time. How can this not harm me? A very wise pastor said, in a place of such heartache, some people will abandon their faith. And when you abandon your faith, you abandon your hope. You abandon the future that God has placed inside of you. That was me. I was abandoning my hope. I was abandoning my faith. I didn't see the future. I couldn't even see the light. But then God brought community to my life. And that was the light. God blessed me with loved ones who supported me mentally and physically. He blessed me with a small group that continually contacted me, making sure I was okay. He blessed me with loved ones who provided food and necessities that I couldn't even afford. He blessed me with loved ones who housed me, other loved ones who helped me find a job. In all these ways, I began to see how God didn't just have a plan, but he had plans to take my pain and to give me a purpose. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. But what about the second part, or the last part of Jeremiah 29, 11? And God has plans to give you hope and a future. After being in a tunnel for so long, I could finally, finally see that light. When you're in a tunnel, you don't know what light is anymore. But that light was community. That glimmer of light brought hope, a hope into a future that was worth living, and a hope into a life that I know that God is giving me. I started volunteering at church. I got to give it up for my creative arts team. <laughs> and God blessed me with best friends and a family, a church family who saw potential within me that God has placed inside of me. God helped me to see that there is still purpose in my life through community. And I can tell you, I don't know, I don't know what the future is going to hold, but now I have hope. I trust God as much I trust God must, much more and believe God's promises are for me. So together we can believe again for a future. Jeremiah 29 11 has come alive in many ways for me. My prayer for all of you is that my story today is a testimony for you. Because I know if God can do it for me, he can absolutely do it for you. Thank you.
Thank you. Good morning, church. Uh, together we can believe again for transformation. Thanks, pastors, for letting me do this. I'm speaking from Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The scripture begins, therefore, in view of God's mercy. So what Paul is doing here is referring to the previous 11 chapters of Romans where he's talking about the mercy of God. In the first chapter, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. In chapter two, in chapter two he says, God's kindness will lead you towards repentance. In chapter three, he says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but all are justified freely through the redemption that comes by Christ Jesus. In chapter four, he says, blessed is the person whose transgression is forgiven. Blessed is the one who sinned. The Lord will never count against him. In chapter 5, he says, hope will not disappoint us because God has poured out his, uh, his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. He says that he, God demonstrate his love toward us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In chapter 5, he also says that when sin increased, grace increased all the more. In chapter 6, he says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, my Lord. In chapter 7, Paul brings it back. He says, I'm a wretched man. He said, who will rescue me from this body of death? But in right the, the next couple sentences, he says, what does he say? <laughs> he says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? He says in chapter 8, he says, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. He says, what will be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ? In chapter 10, he says, if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, that I will be saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is the mercy that Paul is talking about. That's what he just, he spent 11 chapters talking about this. And so he transitions and he says, in view of that mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So there's a couple things Paul is doing here in this in, in, these, in this phrase, he's using an illustration when the illustration happens to be an oxymoron. And an oxymoron is a phrase that combines words that are contradictory, but when combined, they add emphasis or they reveal a deeper truth or meaning. So the, my goal here is that anytime now that you hear an oxymoron, you will think about this scripture. It, it, this is what I do. And I think about me going all in and transformation for Christ. Think about some um, oxymorons. That's awfully good. The jumbo shrimp. Um, Civil war. That's pretty ugly. She's seriously funny. Um, old news. And here's, one, here's a common one. Living dead. Okay? Okay? So... That's similar to this oxymoron that Paul uses. We're a living sacrifice, 
a living sacrifice. So get that image in your head of being alive, but also being a sacrifice. The second thing that Paul is doing with this illustration is he's throwing the, um, the, his readers and listeners back to, to uh, a previous teaching. You guys, you guys know what holy and pleasing to God comes from? No? Oh, good. Exodus and Leviticus. Okay, it's from Exodus and Leviticus. If Psalms is the worship songbook, Exodus and Leviticus for, for God's people, it is the worship handbook. Okay, so in, in Exodus 30, uh, verse 10, he's, talk, uh, he's talking, giving instructions to Aaron, and it says, it says, with the blood of the sin offering of atonement, he shall make atonement for, um, for it once in the year throughout your generations. And then it says this, it is most holy to the Lord. Okay? And in Leviticus chapter 1, all through Leviticus, but in chapter 1, three times it's talking about sacrifices. It says, you are to wash the internal organs, kind of gross, and legs with water, and the priests... Um, is to burn on the altar. It's it's a burn it's a burnt offering, a food offering, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. So Paul is giving them a, a, a picture of what is worship, what is pleasing to the Lord, what is holy to the Lord, and he says what that is is a living sacrifice. And and the thing about a living sacrifice is um, you have to be all in. The scripture says that for a sacrifice to be acceptable, it has to be burnt completely. So us as, uh, so this is my challenge to you. Instead of sprinkling a little church in uh, like salt and pepper on, on your Christian walk, let's go all in. Let's get to put ourselves on the altar. Let's, let's, let's be that living sacrifice. So this is, I'm going to close with this. This is because I'm over time already. So this is your spiritual act of worship. Verse 2 said, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is how you go all in. Renew your mind. Okay? This is, this is what Avenue does. We know God. Right? We know the scripture. We know what God says about us. Okay? So, so renew your mind continually. Get in that word. Renew it. Um, be transformed. Find freedom. Okay, freedom from sin, freedom from past, what, what that person did, uh, did to you, what they said to you. It, it, hurt, it might be a challenge, it might be a hurt, it, but find freedom in that transformation because God, God already took care of it. And lastly, discover God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is how you discover purpose and make a difference. This is your spiritual act of worship. Well, hello, everyone. I am so excited to talk about together we can believe again for exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ask, think, or imagine. This verse comes to us from Paul who wrote to the church of Ephesus. This is Ephesians 3.20. I'm going to read it. It says, Now to him who is able to do far abundantly more than all we can ask, think, or imagine according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. 
We love this verse. We love to pray this over people. We love to put it on t-shirts. I have a little embroidery side house, so we love to put it on throw pillows. We love to use this verse sometimes out of context. So we see the beginning of this verse says, now to him. So because it says now, that means there's something before it. Yes, you with me? Yes. So we're going to back it up a little bit. We're going to read Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Paul writes, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power in your spirit, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of fullness now according to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ask think or imagine to him be glory in the church and every generation and we we see that Paul was writing to the church of Ephesus. And what do we know about the church of Ephesus? Well, to be honest, we know that if they were to be a modern city, they'd be Las Vegas. They were all about how can you satisfy your desires? How can you do whatever is going to make you feel good? He's writing to this people group that honestly were pretty materialistic at times. So why is he saying that God's going to do more than you can ask, think, or imagine? Well, we can see that he's not talking about the material. He's not talking about that one thing that you really want. God's going to give you something even greater. And that's often how we use this verse. I'll be honest with you. I went to a wonderful Christian college called Liberty University. And I went for my bachelor's degree, but I also went for my MRS degree. I was looking for that perfect man, that Mrs. Degree. Do you get it? That's okay. So I was there looking for my, my dream man. And so I would use this verse and say, okay, Lord, you're going to give me more than I could ever ask or imagine. And if I'm honest, what I was looking for was a Christian Holy Spirit-filled version of Rolando Bloom. That's what I was looking for. Why lie? So I was, in my mind, I was thinking, God, you're so good. You can do exceedingly and abundantly more than I can ask, think, or imagine. You're going to give me someone even more attractive than Orlando Bloom, someone super spirit-filled. I had my list. I was believing for more than I could ask, think, or imagine. But when we look at the word of God, we have to look at it holistically. We can't just grab a verse and say, this applies to this, and I'm going to get what I said. We can't manipulate scripture to fit our situations. We have to look at it holistically. And if we're going to do that, we're not just going to look at Ephesians 3.20. We're going to look at Isaiah 55, where God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. So often we want to say, okay, I've imagined this little situation and it's going to be great, but God's going to do something even bigger. And he's saying, oh, beloved, my ways are so much greater, so much better. Our eyes often aren't even on the right thing. 
Lately in my life, I've seen this verse play out like this. Okay, imagine a 16-year-old girl, and it's Christmas. And she's like, I want this really specific brand of makeup for Christmas, right? And she's so excited. And in her mind, she's thinking, this will take care of the bullies at school, the boys, all the things. She's got her list why this makeup is the best, okay? And she's all convinced that mom and dad love me. They're going to get this for me. It's going to be great. But Christmas morning comes, she opens her gifts, and that's not there. And she's thinking, what's going on? And her parents say, we have one final surprise for you. And she's like, it's the makeup. And they're like, we bought you a Tesla. And she says, but I really wanted that makeup. And they're like, but we bought you a Tesla. And she's like, but I needed that makeup. So often we do this with God where we're saying, but God, I need this one thing. And he's saying, I actually have something totally different for you. It's not even that it's like better makeup. It's something completely different that you would have never thought to ask, to think of, or to imagine. His ways are not our ways. And I think sometimes we can't even begin to think about this verse because we've been so disappointed by what God hasn't done that he was supposed to do. When in reality, he is doing something better. And I believe that we will see this verse in fruition in our lives in 2022 when we lift our eyes from that thing that we're focused on and say, God, what do you have for me that's higher and greater and higher than the earth is in the heavenly places? And we lift our eyes from disappointment to expectation that in his way, in his will, in his perfection of his love for us, we will see him do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ask, think, or imagine. Come on, church, give it up for our five and five. My goodness, yeah, go ahead, stand with me, please. Come on, do me a favor, give God a louder praise today. God, thank you for speaking to us. In Jesus' name, man, stay, stay standing. And uh, man, I am just, um, I am thrilled and honored uh, to be uh, just Pastor Lindsay and I, we're just thrilled and honored to be your pastors. And uh, I know that if you're here today, you're watching online as well, that somebody said something that you needed to hear from, from our Savior, that God can use anyone when we, when we shift our focus. And if we shift our focus, man, our next step becomes our best step, but also because God does have a plan for our life. No matter if our life has suffering and pain, man, God does have hope and a future for us. Man, and we didn't hear these messages. Lorenzo did a great job with everyone. And, and Terry, as, man, as, as we go all in, man, God begins to renew our mind so that, right, so that God can do exceedingly and abundantly more. I'm excited what God's doing in us and through us. But, man, will you do me a favor? I want to pray with you. I want to pray over our communicators. Incredible. Man, that was the best, man, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 minutes I've ever had. Um, and I just want to say thank you guys for being up here. Man, thank you for praying, prepping. Thank you. Um, I'm not doing this because, I mean, we, we, we did this in the art room back there, you know. There ain't no green room at Avenue, you know. And um, I want to say thank you. Thank you for your commitment, uh, even in our, right, in our flaws, our commitment. And in, our, in everything that life is throwing at us, man, thank you for speaking God's word today. And man, maybe you're here today, and I want you to just do me a favor. Bye, heads, close your eyes. Um, I'm always reminded of just how good God is. Doesn't matter who's bringing the word. 
Doesn't matter who's holding a microphone. Doesn't matter who speaks into your life. It's always Jesus. It's always Jesus. That maybe you're in this room today and you walked in and you might be like, like Angela today. Go, my goodness, I'm not, I've messed up. I screwed up. Man, I did this and that. And maybe you're like Ronnie today. Where you say, I want to be like my brother Ron. I haven't been as positive. I haven't fixed my eyes on Jesus. Maybe you're like Karen with all the heartache and pain. Maybe you're like Terry. Maybe you're not like Terry. You're not devouring God's word. Maybe you've been like Leah where you say, God, I want this. I really, really want this. And God is saying, I got something exceedingly abundantly more, greater and better for your life. And God spoke to somebody in this room through someone in this room. And maybe you're here today you're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. If Jesus can do it through these five, maybe he could do something in my life. Five unique lives, people, individuals. If God could do it in them, maybe God could do it in me. Remember, with every head bowed, every eye closed. And I love our communicators, and they are all about Jesus. Man, I want you to high-five them afterwards. I want you to tell them. I want you to tell them you're, what you said made an impact in my life. But they're not up here for the glory. They're up here to say, man, it's all Jesus. But if you're here today, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to single you out. I want you, I want you to let God know that you say, Jesus, I, I want to I give my life to you. I'm going to give you my heart. I want to be all in. And if that's you today, every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you today, I just want you to put a hand up, put it right back down. And say, that's me. Hand up and right back down. Just say, that's me, Pastor. Yeah, yeah. Anyone else? Up, right back down. It's okay. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, yeah. Over there. Two over there. Anyone else? Just up, right back down. And those are people that are giving their life to Jesus today. My goodness. So everybody in this room, everybody on stage, everybody in the, in the congregation, we're going to pray a prayer out loud. Because how many know, right? We're better, we're better together in community. Man, when I don't feel like holding my arms up, I got people around me that hold my arms up. That'll help me in this next season and point us to Jesus. So everybody in this room say this. Say, dear Jesus, say thank you for dying on the cross. Say, Jesus, thank you for paying what I did. So today, I give you my heart. I repent of my sins. Say, be Lord of my life. Say, the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to be all in for your praise and your glory. Because I now know who I am. I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I'm a child of God.